You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's version of Healthcare Insight. I'm Ron Bachman, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Well, let's talk about healthcare with this administration potentially changing. I want to talk about that for a second. And then what will happen with a new administration? What will happen if the Senate changes? We still have those major elections to consider. Two senators up in Georgia. Republicans currently have 50 senators. Democrats have 48 with these two seats up for grabs. If these two seats go Democrat, we're going to have a 50-50 split. And Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker for any major votes on any kind of an issue. So the balance of our country is at stake here. Because they could eliminate the filibuster, which means those 50 plus the vice president can change all sorts of rules. Not just health care rules, but how our entire government is run. Whether we pack the Supreme Court, whether we add new states, whether we increase taxes, whether we implement all sorts of progressive changes. That's a great word they use, progressive. What they really mean are ultra-liberal, socialist, even Marxists that are being brought into this administration, or at least being proposed to be brought into this administration. We even have some new elected officials that come from a Marxist background. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable what's happening in this country. So let's take a few minutes and talk about the election. For many of us, it was very disappointing. On the other hand, there's some silver lining. Gaining seats in the House, and that's not over with yet. There could be more House. Will we take over the House? No. Doesn't look like there's any chance of that. I think Democrats already have at least 219. They need 218 to run the House of Representatives. So Republicans will narrow the gap, which means that in two years, it would be a good chance of taking over the House if these radical proposals and radical investigations and the dangers of what the House can do by itself uh, continue. So we'll see what happens there. But there should should be a very narrow gap. And if there were any moderate Democrats, they'd be joining with the Republicans to stop the craziness that can happen in the House. But that doesn't appear likely, since every single Democrat voted for impeachment in the House. Not one. Well, I take that back. I think there was one, and he wound up changing parties. And he got reelected as a Republican. So what's going to happen to the House? Well, you know, the weakest political position to be in is a member of the House of Representatives that's in the minority. And you only need to have a one-vote margin in the House to really control and pass legislation. If you're a real taskmaster, and if your party is pretty much lined in the same ideological spectrum, And that seems to be the case. There are very few moderates left. And because of some of the power and the press that's given to some of the most extreme parts of the House of Representatives, the AOC and her gang, which has now added one or two new members from the election, they get a lot of attention. 
They get a lot of money, and they're passing it around to defeat some of the incumbents and to help reelect others. So Nancy Pelosi is going to go along with those folks in order to keep them in line and probably reward them with some committee chairmanships. So all you need is that one extra vote and a very powerful speaker, which Nancy Pelosi is, to control the ultimate outcome of votes in the House. So I don't give a lot of hope that we're not going to see more investigations of Republicans, of more challenges to what President Trump might or might not have done. I would even think that there are many who are going to push for prosecution of President Trump and many of the people that work for him. You're seeing that kind of retribution now where people are, even at Harvard I read this morning, where they're saying, we don't want any of those people associated with the Trump administration to be either speaking here, writing from here, teaching from here, having any kind of contact or association with Harvard. Yeah, they want diversity, but they don't want diversity of opinion. They don't want to be challenged on their bubble that they live in. And they make these outrageous claims about somebody who's done something wrong to this country, somebody who's been evil, somebody who's actually helped the working poor, who's helped the black community, the Hispanic community, the working community, farmers. He's done things for everybody. If there's any doubt that he was trying to do things just for red states, take a look at the blue states, what he did with the virus, sending up ships to California and to New York and building hospitals and giving every state that needed their help, which were mostly the blue states, giving them every help he could. He didn't hold back. He reached out to them, and they said he did a great job. So is that somebody who was so evil that they were working against the people of this country because they were in red states or blue states? No, President Trump has done a remarkable job. That's why he got 72 million votes, and maybe more. We don't know. The jury may still be out. I don't give any hope that the election is going to be changed at all. You certainly hear the stories and the anecdotes in Pennsylvania about votes missing in Michigan, about technology issues that change Trump votes to Biden votes. I don't know how extensive that is, but it shows that things aren't perfect. And I think the bigger issue is how judges and even Secretary of State's that responsible for elections in those states unilaterally made changes in how votes were accepted, whether signatures were required to match, whether postmarks were required to be before the election. All those issues were changed in this election in many states in order to accommodate voting because of the pandemic. And I think every door that was opened. It's likely in my mind that the Democrats took advantage of it and changed the outcome of this election. I can't imagine where there'd be 100,000 votes in Pennsylvania that come in and every single one of them voted for Biden. Not a single vote. You think somebody would do it by mistake. There are areas where more people voted than are registered. Where more people sent in 
absentee ballots than requested absentee ballots. How's that possible? But I don't look for any real change. I think the cake has been baked. And at 6.30 in the morning after election night, I accepted the results that we weren't going to be able to change it. I think the challenges are appropriate. Let's count every legal vote. But more importantly, I think there's going to be Supreme Court decisions that say, as the Constitution says, only state legislators can describe how votes are going to be counted in the state and how they're going to be allowed. And the judges that made various rulings because of the so-called unique pandemic times that we're in, I don't think that that is going to fly. I don't think that that works very well. I don't think that that's going to hold up. And I think Supreme Court has sort of indicated that. So I think we're going to see some significant changes based upon Supreme Court rulings as to what should be counted and what shouldn't be counted, but I don't expect that to actually change uh, any vote totals. I mean, it seems also you have the potential that in states like Arizona, Nevada, you had illegals voting because all they can do is sign a form that says, you know, that they're citizens or they're residents there. But where's the prosecution? Where's the follow-up? Where's the check? It doesn't happen. So it ultimately is going to get back to whether this country changes fundamentally as many Democrats want. As Joe Biden's even said, it's going to get down to this Georgia race, which is going to be held on January 5th. And we already see Democrats trying to cheat on that one. They're talking about bringing people in from California and from around the country to claim residency so they could vote in the Georgia election. You know, in some states, they do that. When they go to primaries in um, New Hampshire, New Hampshire allows same-day registration as a resident. So you have campaign staffers sign up to be residents to vote for their candidates. That's how crazy this system is. There has to be something better that we can unify this country over election laws. If you need a ID, a driver's license, or government-issued ID, Anybody can get that. You need it to get Medicare benefits, to get food stamps, to get any kind of government program. you got to show an ID. So why is there a fight over doing that for voting? Why is this issue that we've got to make it easy for everybody to vote? And only one party is pushing that. And the answer is obvious to anybody with any sense. It's so that there could be more opportunities for fraud, for abuse, for stacking the deck. Now, Governor Christie once said on Republicans running for office in New Jersey that Republicans got to win by at least three points in order to overcome the fraud. And we all know the history. If we took any time or we lived through the fraud that occurs in Chicago, Mayor Daley stole the election for John Kennedy. Elections have been stolen across this country, but it's always one direction, isn't it? It's always the Democrats. It's always Democrats, and their ballots are missing. They turn up their Democrat ballots. The ballots aren't count. They're always Republican votes. And it happens every election. 
So we're kind of stuck with this one, I'm afraid. I don't think there's really any choice, any option that's going to reverse this. But I think President Trump needs to go forward with the cases he's making so that the courts can send a clear, loud message that states need to have more control over their election process and needs to be set by state legislators, not some unelected politician or bureaucrat or judge. So the good thing is that President Trump has put in a lot of judges across this country, and I'm sure he will fill up that pipeline as fast as he can before he's out of office. I don't know what he's going to do when the final result is in and he's no longer president. I know a lot of people would like to see him run in 2024. We'll see. But I think he's going to have an impact because he dramatically changed the Republican Party from being the the elite group, the country club Republicans, into real working class Republicans. And I think people will see that over time here if a new administration is put in and what they do and how they don't really help or make America first like so many of us like to see in our political structure, our political leaders to say Americans count first before the rest of the world. And if we do that, then we can take care of the rest of the world. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and talk about health care and the results of this election. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today, I'm going to talk about post-election and health care. We've been talking about the election, and it's not over. Both the check of the election, going through the courts, being sure that if the results aren't changed by going through the courts this time, at least the courts have spoken on how an election should be run. That's the real value of what I believe what's going on right now. I don't expect any change. I don't expect President Trump to win re-election, as some might have said. I don't believe in the conspiracy theories that are going around about this happened or this happened and we're going to have to have a re-vote or that there's some special code on the ballots that can be checked to see if they're real ballots or not. There's all sorts of strange conspiracy theories out there. I do believe that there was fraud. I believe that it's unchecked. I believe that it's not going to get changed. But I hope that future elections are run more efficiently and effectively. President Trump said this election was going to be rigged. There's going to be a lot of fraud. And that's happened, in my opinion. So I hope we can move forward and at least figure out where this world is going, where this country is going in the areas of healthcare. This program is called Healthcare Insight, and I wish I could give you more insight as to where we're going. But there's two dramatic paths that I don't know which is going to wind up being our course. So at least let's take a look at that today. One course is that the Democrats win the two Georgia Senate seats that are still up for play and will be involved in a runoff on January 5th. Let's make an assumption, one that I don't really want to see happen. But let's make an assumption that Georgia goes Democrat with both of those seats, which means that two Senate seats will have changed from Democrat to Republican and would give the Democrats 
a 50-50 split with a tie-breaking vote being the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. If that happens, Katie bar the door. There's no telling where this country is going at that point. I think the stock market could very well crash because we're going to have such turmoil in changing our core institutions, things that we all depend upon to run this country effectively, have some checks and balances. And for those who haven't paid much attention but maybe are listening to this podcast, happen to come across it this week, I'm going to tell you that it's not just about getting rid of the filibuster, which is not a constitutional requirement. It's a Senate rule that's been there for over 150 years so that it can be a real deliberative body, and to really advance anything, it requires 60 votes. And few parties ever get the 60 votes. Democrats did in 2008, but it's very rare. So that means you have to get people on both sides of the aisle to agree to move forward on any kind of major legislation. But if the Democrats win, they're, they promise to get rid of the filibuster so that it only takes 51 votes to do anything they want. And what would they do with that? Well, they've clearly talked about getting rid of the filibuster rule, which they can unilaterally do. And they've already done it in terms of judges before when Harry Reid a number of years ago got rid of the filibuster rule for for federal judges and then Mitch McConnell got rid of it for Supreme Court because of the practice that Harry Reid started. So again, who started all this? Democrats. Well, what happens if they win both Georgia seats? What's going to happen in the health care? Well, clearly the House will be Democrats, so they can pass any kind of crazy health care legislation they want, and they probably will. And then the Senate might be a little bit more moderate, but not much more so. And they'll pass whatever they want with probably only one Democrat that might, and I repeat might, go against the grain. And that would be Manchin out of West Virginia, which is a very Republican state, but he was a Democratic governor and Democratic senator, and he's voted for every block vote that the Democrats wanted not to pass anything or to get into any kind of major issue that the Republicans wanted, like police reform issues, tax bills. Manchin has not been a crossover vote. He talks moderate, but then he votes with Schumer. So what will happen if the Senate and the House and the presidency is all of one party? Well, look what's likely to happen when we go to a one-party system. We'll become California. We'll become a party, a country that one party rules everything. So we'll have a government option. We'll see where that goes. But it would be a government-supported option. So guess what? The private market's just going to not be able to do anything. They're going to be run out of business. All the health care business is going to be gone. No more private health insurance. Oh, they'll talk about it as if it's just going to be government insurance subsidized to help as a competing force against the evil insurance companies. But when you get government subsidies on one side, 
and it's a competitive market or maybe not so much on the other side, the government subsidy is going to win every time. And they'll just increase the subsidies year after year after year. They may start out by saying, oh, we're not going to provide subsidies, but they will. That's the game plan. And then what happens? When you have everybody going to a government-subsidized option, we just wind up moving towards the single-payer system where the government runs and controls your health care. They own the doctors. They own the hospitals. We wind up with a European single-payer system, which I can tell you haven't been over there and studied the system. It doesn't work. Long lines, delays, people looking for where they can get extra treatment by paying somebody off. So we'll have a government option and ultimately a single-payer system. But where will we start with? Well, probably start with the um, Obamacare being reinforced. In the Biden plan that's on his website, he's going to increase the subsidies. So People get more and more money to help them pay for the existing Obamacare option in the exchanges. And they'll do that in various subtle ways. But they'll have the power to do that to a large degree because if you look at Obamacare in detail, you'll find out that much of the power in Obamacare is really with the secretary of HHS. They have enormous powers to change rules and regulations, make interpretations. And so you really do have bureaucrats in charge of health care without being an elected official, just being an appointed official. That's why so many of the changes that helped create a more effective use of Obamacare under Trump was made possible because HHS secretary has a lot of power and authority. I'll give you a One example, health reimbursement arrangements. Under Obama and Kathleen Sebelius, who was head of HHS then, said that an employer trying to use tax advantage dollars to subsidize the purchase of individual insurance, they said it was not legal. That health reimbursement arrangements were not allowed if they are stood by themselves so that a small employer could subsidize the purchase of an individual going out and buying an an individual policy, as opposed to if they had a group plan. Employer says, I'd like to have what some would refer to as a defined contribution approach. I'm going to give you so much money for health care. Now, you go out and buy your policy, and that's tax advantage, just like employer's contribution is tax advantaged if you're buying a group plan. Why would there be any difference? But it's not allowed under Obamacare when HHS was run by the Democrats. But with Trump, it was different. They were able to make a different interpretation. And they said, no, employers should be allowed to provide for a health reimbursement arrangement, which is a tax advantage promise to employees that they could draw on money to pay for an individual health insurance so that at least the employee would get tax advantage dollars to level the playing field between buying an individual policy and a small group plan. This has a major impact on the marketplace, a major impact that allows people to get better coverage with tax advantage dollars. Why, why should there be a difference between if you're getting your 
uh, insurance through your employer, or if you're buying it yourself, why should there be that big of a difference? Well, there is under Republican interpretation and under Democratic interpretation. And since those interpretations are not laws, fully expect that to be reversed. Because of the disruption, maybe they won't. But I wouldn't put it past Democrats to make it more difficult to buy individual policies. Just take a look at the options that are available under a Trump administration where they said, no, you have more flexibility to buy temporary policies if you're between jobs. If that's all you really need, your choice, you can buy temporary insurance, six-month, 12-month plans. But our Democrats, their interpretation is that's not legal. So maybe we'll revert back to that. There's so many areas, whether it's HHS rules and regulations or even what Congress will ultimately do. Take a look at Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is going to get enormous increase in funding. Under, an Ob- uh, under a Biden administration. Under Trump administration, they were cut back. It was made more difficult. I don't think they ever had the votes to totally get rid of it. But Democrats are going to be expanding it. And for those pro-lifers out there, think about this. Learn about the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment was named after Henry Hyde, who many years ago said government funds should not be used for abortion. And there's something called the Mexico rule. That is for international use of American dollars when we make and send dollars to other countries. But those dollars can't be used for abortion. Well, they promised in the Biden administration to get rid of that rule, get rid of the Mexico rule. And I don't know how far they'll go to get rid of the Hyde Amendment, but Biden has said it's been a mistake and he'll probably change that by regulation as well, and say that um, policies can now pay for abortion services. So the impact on health care is going to be wide, going to be extensive. It'll be by regulation. It'll be by executive order. But more importantly, if the Democrats control the Senate, it will be by law. And that means it'll get locked in. And there'll be no question about where we go as a country. We will overturn all sorts of issues relative to our health insurance and our health care. So be on the alert. Be on the lookout. Let's take a commercial. We're going to come back and look at some of the other scenarios. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Again, we're continuing our talk about post-election issues specifically around healthcare, trying to get some insight into what might happen, what direction this country is going. And as we've said, we don't know. We can go complete nuclear if two Democrats get elected to the Senate out of Georgia, which will happen on January 5th. I expect both to be close elections. I expect Republicans to win, but... Who knows, in this day and age, what's going on? Both Republicans um, won in the um, first election but didn't get 50%. Um, One candidate, Senator Perdue, current senator, 
got almost 50%, but in Georgia law, it's not a plurality. You can't win with 49 plus percent. You have to have 50 plus one. And on the other candidate, uh, Senator Loeffler is a, um, is a replacement for Senator Isaac um, Isaacson, who had health problems. And so she was asked to step in. And so her election is a special election. There were probably 18, 20 candidates on the ballot. Um, but if you add up all the Republicans who were running, specifically Doug Collins and um, Kelly Loeffler, um, they had more than 50 percent or should have the majority of votes in any runoff because the runoff is only two. And the Democrat Warnock, um, I think, actually got the plurality of votes with, with about 33 percent of the votes, something along those lines. But is unlikely to um, to win in a uh, normal runoff year. Normal runoff year, Republicans tend to turn out much more for candidates than Democrats do. But who knows what's going to happen this year because it's such an important election for Democrats who are at the extreme and want to just throw away this country's uh, basic principles of checks and balances. And if you doubt that, think about what's been promised by Joe Biden and the liberals. If they control the House, which they already do, election results are in, they're going to control it, but only by a small minority. And if they control the Senate, which they control at best by one vote after a 50-50 tie that the uh, Vice President Kamala Harris will be sitting in the Senate almost entirely, they can get rid of basic rules that have existed for a long time and get rid of the filibuster, which means they could pass anything that the House passes with just Democratic votes and not a single Republican vote. And a Democrat president would sign it into law. What does that mean? It means getting rid of the filibuster as a general rule of the Senate, which has lasted for 150 years, which basically allows you to ignore any minority votes even if the minority is a 50-50 tie. And then they could add some states. They will bring in at least two, four, maybe six Democratic senators. They bring in Puerto Rico, bring in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. voted 98% for Joe Biden. 98%. Do you think there's going to be any chance for a Republican ever to be elected as a senator from Washington, D.C.? Not a chance. What about Puerto Rico? Well, they need a lot of government funds, government subsidies. They've typically in the past voted against statehood because they like being separate. And I think they actually might have had a vote recently. Maybe during this past election cycle, said we don't really want to be a state, but that won't matter necessarily. Because if they are forced to become a state, they would be Democratic senators. And then you talk about Guam and some other territories, they just bring in more Democrat senators so that they'll control the Senate forever. Republicans will never have a chance. And what happens if they bring in these new states? They not only get senators, but they get House of Representatives members, maybe another 20, all Democrats. So when you talk about a fundamental change to this country, a one-party rule, that ignores half of this country's electorate 
We're on the threshold of that, folks. We really are. We could become a California where there is basically a one-party rule. And we all hear about the craziness going on in California. People are leaving that state and going to other states. People are leaving New York to go to other states. And one of the problems with Georgia is that they've had an influx of people from out of state over the last few years. People bring their politics with them. They don't understand that they voted for Democrats before that ruined the states they were in. Now they go to a new state that's got work to right, work, uh, right to work laws, has better taxing, lower property value uh, taxes, was high standard of living, good schools. But they come in and they just vote and can ruin those states as well. It's a shame. Well, let's talk about health care again. What about health care in this one party rule that we might have? Well, I think we're likely to have health care for illegals. Anybody that crosses the border. Now, there's been some threat. Take down the wall that's been built, 400 miles that'll be done by the time President Trump is out of office. So you're going to take down the wall and let a flood of illegals come in? Are they going to tell Mexico, don't put your 25,000 troops on the border, your southern border and your northern border to keep out drugs and illegals from coming to this country to have their anchor babies? All that will be opened up because those new voters will vote Democrat because Democrats are the ones that give away your money to people who haven't earned it. In the name of compassion. It's not compassion. It's about getting power, political power, to run this country. And the more people they can get to vote Democrat, the more people to give some subsidies from somebody else and call it creating equality, creating a socialist country, which every place else in this world has failed. But guess what? We have a communist party in China that wants to replace the United States in every possible way, replace the U.S. dollar as the international currency, build up their military to be able to overtake our military and the protections we provide around this world, use their wealth to buy friends and influence people, to beat us out on space exploration. China's a big country. 1.4 billion people over there versus 300 million here. It's four times our size or more. And they're growing economically because they have sort of combined communist rule and oversight with economic policies that give a little bit more freedom. But what they've really done is taken advantage of the United States through the World Trade Organization through stealing intellectual property rights, ignoring copyrights and patents. What are they going to do after they steal everything from us? Then they've got to start creating. But at that point, they'll be overtaking us. We're not used to living in a world where Americans are second-class citizens, that we don't have the international influence to protect life and liberty of others, to create peace instead of turmoil. Well, that may be the world we're looking at. 
really wonder about this whole Biden-China connection. Was it false? Doesn't seem like it. Seems like his family has been making money off of China connections. And look at some of the statements he made during the election. China's are good people. They're not a danger. They're not an enemy. Come on, man. That's what he said. He said it's good to build up China as if they're going to create a democracy. No, they're looking to build up to take advantage of us. How gullible can a politician be unless he's being paid off with sweetheart deals for his family members? I don't know how in the world Biden is going to push back on China. You know, in the Trump administration, everybody's worried, oh, Trump's colluding with Russia and he's going to give special deals. And Trump was harder on Russia with sanctions and penalties. China assured that Germany didn't tap into the Russian pipeline, trying to beef up NATO. Trump did all those things, and yet he was accused of not being able to deal with Russia because of some perceived and made-up conflicts. What about the real conflicts that Joe Biden and his administration are going to have with China? How's he going to stand up to China? He's already said he's going to take off the tariffs, which is what's been holding China's feet to the fire from dumping stuff into this country and taking jobs away. Biden is the one who moved everything, all the manufacturing over to China when he made the changes in World Trade Organization, making it cheaper for China goods versus American-made goods. That's why Trump got elected the first time. People seem to forget that after jobs came back. They seem to have forgotten that Biden was one of the main supporters and architect of moving all those manufacturing jobs overseas. When's that going to start again? When are the companies that came back to the United States because of the Trump administration's America First policies, of tariffs on steel imports from countries like Korea, China, and even Europe. Is Biden really going to understand the economics that can be used against other countries to get them to come around and provide better negotiations? I mean, even Biden said that the uh, USMCA, the renegotiated re, uh, NAFTA, was a better deal. Why couldn't he do it when he was in office? You know, I fear. I fear for our, my children, my grandchildren. You know, I'm old enough that it's probably not going to affect me. I just hate to live four more years under some crazy democratic rule where the world's going to seem like it's turned upside down. But a one-party rule is going to get pretty bad. One-party rule will mean it's not just executive orders. It's not just some bureaucratic regulation that can be reversed down the road. This stuff's going to be put into law, and it's very difficult to change laws. I know because I've worked with both Republicans and Democrats on laws. The Democratic attitude was... Just get it in, get anything in, because they're never reversed, they're never changed, they're never eliminated. The Republicans always wanted to get it exactly right, so they could never actually coalesce around some legislation because there was always something wrong with what one person was proposing, so they couldn't get a lot of co-signers on bills like health care. Democrats didn't care about that. 
They all just jumped on board Obamacare, knowing that it was dramatically flawed. They knew that you start someplace and you make changes. Republicans don't understand that. So we're going to get a lot of changes. This is a one-party rule. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back with um, a final session that says what happens if we don't wind up with one-party rule, that we wind up with Georgia elections that actually give us at least one, if not two, Republican senators. So we'll be right back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final session of Healthcare Insight. Today we're talking about post-election impacts. Post-election impacts on government structures, on decision-making, on rulemaking, on policies, on executive decisions. We've talked about if we have a one-party rule over this country, and we're very close to that. And we won't know probably until at least January 5th or 6th after the runoff elections for two senators in um, Georgia. But while I have given up hope for Republican presidency for a Trump re-election, as a political junkie, i got to be honest with you, I kind of tuned out everything. I haven't listened to... Um, Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or any of the other conservative talk show hosts. Somebody directed me to Newsmax. I've watched a few minutes of that, but I really, maybe I'm just going through my own state of anxiety or depression or whatever, working out from this election. I was very disappointed, obviously. I thought that uh, Trump was going to win regardless of what the polls said. I didn't believe the polls. And, um, except for a few thousand votes in a few states and some disputes going on, and likely fraud. I almost accept that as a Republican. I almost accept that Democrats are going to cheat in whatever ways they can. But um, I haven't really kept up with much. So today's been a little bit depressing maybe for me and maybe for some of you listeners. I hope not. I'm trying to keep my voice as upbeat and hopeful as possible. Well, let's assume, let's assume we don't have a one-party state. Let's assume that out of this election, we control the Senate. And we don't have some crazy Republicans that vote with the Democrats. Well, we never seem to have Democrats that vote Republicans in the Senate. But with Susan Collins in there for the next six years, Murkowski and even Mitt Romney are always questionable. Maybe a couple others, Sasser and some others. Let's... Let's see what happens if we don't have a single-party rule in this country, that we don't turn into a California, which is a basket case for the most part. Because if Biden wins this and we go that route, don't be surprised if um, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, doesn't run in 2024 as an extension of this growing progressivism that seems to be accepted in this country. I mean, we'll have another backlash and we'll get somebody like either a Trump re-election in 2024 or maybe a Mike Pence. He can be sort of a kinder, gentler, if that's what people are looking for instead of actual policies. They're looking for the demeanor of the president. They want him to act presidential. Don't care about what he actually does. Well, 
Mike Pence could do both, probably act as strongly as Trump in some areas, and then be kinder and gentler. He's obviously a very smart guy. That may be the candidate. But the Republicans would have a lot of candidates to put up in four years. Uh, I can't imagine Biden's going to rerun at age 82. And so it'll probably be Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or a uh, Andrew Cuomo. Some of the more liberal parts of the parties will likely run in 2024. If Biden decides... He can't run at age 82 or if he'll even be around. Who knows if he'll last that long. So what will happen if they don't control the Senate? Well, they're not likely to get through those crazy policies of eliminating the filibuster. They're not likely to get rid of those policies of adding new states and new Democratic senators. They're not likely to get away with a policy of stacking the Supreme Court. Now, remember, Joe Manchin, the most moderate Democrat has said that he won't vote for stacking the Supreme Court or getting rid of the filibuster. Does anybody really believe him? Do we really want to trust the direction of this country for the next hundred plus years on a promise by Joe Manchin? I don't think so. I think it's entirely possible he said that so that Republicans won't bother to come out as strongly in these Georgia Senate races say, well, we can always bank on Joe Manchin. Boy, I wouldn't count on that one. So let's assume we've got divided country, divided government. Gridlock may be the best thing that could happen in this country right now. Well, we'll likely see a lot of executive orders. In fact, I think we're going to get into a period, starting with Obama, who did so many executive orders, and Trump having a divided Congress had to do executive orders to get anything done, took on things personally himself in negotiating with other countries, of backing us out of the Paris Peace Accords, of taking cases to the Supreme Court, of backing out of the Iran nuclear deal. We're going to get back into all that in all likelihood under a Biden administration because it seems like the president's got a lot of power to make those commitments without going through Congress and stand by those commitments. We're going to be able to get a lot of things like the regulations, like the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, government trying to step into what farmers are able to do. If you have a if you have a, um, a low-lying ditch that gets water, that's going to become federal wetlands. You laugh, but that's what they were proposing before. You laugh, but regulations are going to be written around what cities can do with their own populations, their own school districts. They're going to have to meet certain diversity requirements. And I guarantee you that they're going to use the continuing health care initiatives. Now that they've found out that with a health care crisis, that they can control what people do, where they go, what they can say, how many people can gather, what you can do on a weekend, How many people can get together and go to church? Now that they've figured out that they can use health care as a lever to control people, they'll find other ways to use health care issues to control you and I. So expect a lot more in regulations and in government edicts 
And the best thing is that they didn't gain that many more control. In fact, I think they lost at least one or two governorships. They didn't turn over any state house seats. So some of the things the federal government is limited to, but if they can convince states to implement certain procedures that the federal government would like, then they'll do that as well. But obviously the president's got a lot of power, as we found out, with executive orders. And they got a lot of power with who they put into management positions in the different agencies, department heads. We're going to see very liberal people put into these positions. And we'll wind up with people who will undermine our economy, undermine our democracy, people who will be heading up the IRS like they did before and investigate conservative groups. You got people who will prosecute conservatives for their political contributions. We'll see all sorts of shenanigans that will go on because now they'll feel empowered that they can do it and get away with it. And just like in 2016, where they were spying on the the Trump campaign. Who got prosecuted for that? Where's the penalty? There doesn't seem to be any, so why would they not do it again? Who's going to prosecute people when the swamp will take care of itself? And who will come in from the outside again like President Trump and shake up the system when the system seemed very empowered to knock down and tear out anybody who tries to do that? And now you've got big tech who can censor people, can censor conservatives, can create a narrative around the evils of somebody who might try to change this country for the better and help the working poor, help farmers, help close the income gap, take people off of welfare, take people off of food stamps, get unemployment rates down to 3.5%. If you can destroy somebody like that by telling the population over and over again how evil this man is, then you can change the course of this country forever. Because what you've done with a limited media outlet, not everybody gets Fox News, not everybody gets conservative radio. So when you drive something over and over again, It gets into the heart of people, and they actually believe it at that point, and they can act on it. You get people to act on something that they truly believe. So it's not just rumors out there that they might question, but if it's everyday drumbeat, and then the information that would counter that is limited, is censored. I mean, this whole story about Hunter Biden's connection to China And Joe Biden's connection to that whole deal, that he was going to get money from there, all those activities, that he used his power and influence in China, in Ukraine, in Russia, other parts that Biden as vice president had control over. He was given that as sort of his portfolio of responsibility, and his son made money off it, his brother made money off it, his whole family made money off of it. And he was designated a slice of that. And that information is suppressed by the media, by big techs, won't let that stuff be put out by the New York Post, which is one of the oldest 
newspapers in this country? Does it have the same brand as a New York Times or a Washington Post? Maybe not. But it's the fourth oldest and I think the fourth biggest distribution of media in this country. And yet they're suppressed on a legitimate story. And even Twitter came out recently and said suppression of that was wrong. But it's too late. The election's over with. And it had its impact on votes. Did it have an impact on 20,000 votes, 30,000 votes? That would have made a difference in this election. And the big media people know that. They also know that they've been working as part of the Democratic Party's propaganda, and they won't be pulled to task. They won't be held responsible in this new administration, this new Congress. They won't be challenged on antitrust laws. They won't be challenged on RICO laws. They won't be challenged on anything going forward. And don't look for any investigations from the FBI, the CIA, the Durham Committee putting together. It's not going to happen. We'll see. But I don't think anything else is going to happen out of this, to be very pessimistic about it. But keep hope. Let's wind this up on a hopeful note that the Georgia Senate races are going to go the right way, that we'll have gridlock in Washington and two years from now. Conservatives, Republicans will take over the U.S. House of Representatives because this year is the year of Republican women. And 2018 will be the growth of Republican women, the year of Republican minorities, both Hispanic and black. And we will take over the House and we'll expand the numbers in the Senate and be ready for 2024 when a new presidential election occurs. Let's hope that time goes fast. Let's hope we don't do too much damage to our country in the meantime. But stay hopeful out there, and we'll continue to talk about the issues of health care as they develop in the coming months around a probable new administration. So we'll talk to you next week. I hope this has been insightful, a little bit aggravating at times but at least hopeful at the end here that we'll get through this together and we'll see a brighter side on the other end of this administration, other end of this Biden administration, if that's what it comes to. Talk to you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.